You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, what a, what a summer it has been. If you've been with us, walking with us, we've been walking through Proverbs. And like, what a blessing. What a time that we need wisdom like never before. And so today we'll be in Proverbs closing our summer series. Um, next week is our 10th anniversary, which is amazing. So make sure to be there. Uh, come, we're going to celebrate what God has done and, and look forward to what he's going to do in the future as well. So that's next Sunday. Then after that, we'll be starting to get into the book of Romans, which uh, all of us are really excited uh, to be doing that. Um, but I'm, I'm just blessed to open up the book of Proverbs with you this morning. I love the book of Proverbs. When I first got saved, uh, that was the first book that I, that I opened up in the Bible and started to read. And it's like every, every verse, I'm like, it was just such good wisdom, such good advice I needed uh, to, to learn to, to walk in God's ways. And, and really, every time I read it, I don't know about you, there's always something new that will stick out. There's always more wisdom to grab. We're never like reached that point where we're like, okay, we're finished. Uh, but every time we go back, God gives us more wisdom from that book. Does anyone need more wisdom? And we, we know as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, it's, it's, it's very different than kind of how we normally go through books, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, kind of the nature of Proverbs. And I was thinking, it's, it's almost like uh, what we normally do is, is if you're liking it to going to a good restaurant and they kind of like specialize in one thing and you have that one thing and, and you walk away and it is great. But going through Proverbs, it's more like going to like a buffet. And after today, you're like, okay, well, like what, did, what did we talk about? What, did, what was the message on? Well, it was on Proverbs. A little, little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the goal this morning as we go into the book of Proverbs is that we would get more wisdom, and particularly uh, wisdom for parents and, and wisdom for children. And when I say children, I'm going to maybe say a little bit more to that later, but I mean like youth, young adults, adults, um, you'll, you'll see. It's really, it's for all of us. But really, it's a, kind of the nature of Proverbs. Pastor Trevor asked me, hey, I want you to preach on uh, wisdom for, for parents and for children. And it's like, well, that's actually like the whole book of Proverbs. <laughs> Like, that's how it's written, right? Like Proverbs 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Or in 2, verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. And chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching. And it goes on and on. Wisdom for, for uh, children from their parents. And not just, it keeps saying sons, but it's for sons and daughters. And it is for all of us. And as, I, as, I, as we go through Proverbs this morning, I just want to frame this message as the, the Christian walk, right? And, and what I mean by that, if you'll just look in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, you know, Jesus, as he, as he was finishing the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Other translations talk of a a wide road and a narrow road. And a wide road is what everybody is on by default, and there's a a small gate. The gate is Jesus Christ, right? And when we come to him and in faith and repentance, we trust what Jesus did on the cross. We, we start walking onto the narrow road. But the narrow road is not an easy road. It's a hard road. And so I want to, as we're thinking about wisdom for parenting and ri- wisdom for, for all of us, it's in the context of walking the narrow road. That's what I want to be talking about this morning. So that's why the title of the message is Wisdom to Walk the Narrow Road. If you notice, like I think all of our messages previous were... were Something triumphs over something, right? Like last week, it was uh, self-control triumphs over anger. I just didn't know if it'd be fitting to say parents triumph over children, but maybe true. That <laughs> so wisdom to walk the narrow road. How are we to walk? 
as parents, as children, youth, young adults, right? We, we live in a world that's opposed to God. There's a real devil and his minions that are against the things of the Lord. And then we have our own flesh that we're battling against. We have a society that's opposed to the Lord, a culture that continues to, to go further and further away from God's standard. We need wisdom. We need wisdom as parents. We need wisdom as Christians to, to keep on the narrow road and walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, right? It's 2020. Like just saying that, you know, it's like shudder a little bit. It's like we're going to have to come up with a different phrase for perfect vision. Just like you can just see well. That's no more numbers to that. But we need, we need wisdom. We need all the wisdom we can get to keep on walking the narrow road. I'm just going to pray and we're going to just get into the book of Proverbs this morning. Holy Father, we have been blessed to sing songs of praise to you already this morning. To see uh, families stand up and say, yes, we want to continue to raise our children and our in growing family to know you. Oh Lord, be with them, bless them. And as we open up your word this morning, I pray in your mercy that you would speak through me. God, we need to hear a word from you. We love you. We want to walk in your ways. We, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our ears and our hearts to your word this morning and lift up Christ among us. Oh God, continue to build your church for your name and for your honor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll notice as I'm going through Proverbs, I'm kind of like, I'm going to be reading some of them fairly quickly. You can uh, try to follow along in your Bible. Like some, I'll sit there a little bit longer. Other ones, I'm just kind of read one after another and then and speak on that. So just, just a heads up. So first, I want to talk to parents. And what a, what a high and holy calling, right? To raise the next generation. And I don't know about you, just like, I remember the first time uh, when I got home from having our daughter, Gabrielle, our first child, and it's like I was calling uh, family members and just let them know, yes, uh, Gabby came and, and Rebecca's doing fine. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like the responsibility. Like it, it honestly just like nailed me. Lord, help me. Like we need wisdom to raise our children. So it begins, it begins like for our own walk. We want to teach our children how to walk. It begins our own walk. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Parents and grandparents, we first ourselves need to be seeking God for wisdom. Proverbs 14, 26. It says this, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. And verse 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble with it. In 15.33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So we know that to even start to be wise, we need the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, like a, a deep reverence for God, that He is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and He has made everything, everything good and perfect, and we're His creation, and we're we're, we are not the creator, and we need to bow before him. We need a healthy fear of the Lord in our lives, like ever-increasing. But how do we gain that fear of the Lord? Well, it is simply, it's by the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 17, you find there a call for uh, how each king of Israel is to grow in the fear of the Lord. Like one, they weren't supposed to have many wives. They weren't supposed to have a bunch of horses. And they weren't supposed to gather themselves lots of silver and gold. Ironically enough, Solomon, who wrote a large chunk of Proverbs, went down that road. But what they were to do to gain the fear of the Lord is they were to gather, uh, get themselves a copy of the law of God, probably the first five books of the Bible, and they were to write out a copy for themselves. And then they were to read it daily. And therein they would grow in the fear of the Lord. So that's what the king was supposed to do. That's what the leader was supposed to do. And then at the end of Deuteronomy, I'll just turn there quickly. Deuteronomy 31, 
verses 11 to 13, Moses says this, just before they were going to go into the promised land, Moses says this to the people, when all Israel, sorry, 31, starting in verse 11, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord, your God, at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in that land that you're going to over the Jordan to possess. So that is how we need to first grow into the fear of the Lord. We need to be like the, the person in Psalm 1 who meditates on God's law day and night. As parents, we need to keep seeking the Lord. And as we see him revealed in the scripture, Lord, give us a healthy fear of you because that is wisdom. And we need wisdom. And as we get that fear of the Lord, and as we see that revealed in the scripture, we want to walk in that way, then we can start teaching our children. But first, we need a healthy fear of the Lord, and we get it by the word of God. So next, for parents, we want to show our children how to walk. So we're, we're, we're walking because we fear the Lord, and now we're going to show our children how to walk. Well-known proverb, Proverbs 22, verse 6. We're going to camp out here for a little bit. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, in May, I, we, I taught, um, like, three one-hour session, sessions on discipling your children. And so we're condensing a lot. We're, I'm going to say a lot, but we're going to sit here for a little bit longer. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But again, this is a a general truth in Proverbs, right? That's the nature of Proverbs, not promises. Like like you see uh, other parts, like if you work really hard, like a farmer who works really hard should have a good harvest, like generally speaking. But as we have experienced in Calgary not too long ago, like hail, you can do all your hard work, you can do everything you can, but other things can happen uh, along the way. But so as parents, we have this calling to train, train up our children in the Lord. But just think about this for a moment. <clears throat> think about our, parent, our, our children's default path. So we're talking about the narrow road, but everyone's default is actually on the wide road, right? Like our, our children, you have to teach them not to hit. You have to teach them not to be selfish because naturally they come swinging, <laughs> Naturally, they're like, mind, 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 everything. And so we need to keep teaching them, like, no, that's, that's not the right way. We want you to walk in this way. We want you to be kind with your hands. We want you to share with others. We have to keep training them, right? Our children, more than anything, they need to trust in Jesus, right? Not that, like, okay, my mom and dad love Jesus. We go to church because they do, but they themselves need to know that Jesus is my hope my life. He loves me like no one else. He's given his life that I may have life in this world. And so we need to keep pointing our children to Jesus, that they would trust in him, and then come on to that narrow road with us. Because as we know, all of us, we all have wicked hearts, and we need to know our only hope in right living is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Jonathan Aiken, commentator, says this, the main point of Proverbs 22.6 is that the parental task is to intervene and correct your children's foolishness before it becomes set later in life. And so this this is going to take time, right? This is a long game. It's not like you can sit them down for a few hours, boom, 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 give them a few things, like now you've got it. It's like day in, day out, we're going to do the best job we can to keep pointing them to Christ and keep training them up that one day when they leave, hopefully, they're going to continue on. That's our hope and our prayer. And so, as a passage we already read, or Trevor read earlier, we want to train them out. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 to 7. I want it, to, it has to be formally and informally. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7, it says this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, 
and when you rise. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you want to teach them diligently. That's, that's formally. There's a formal way in which you want to teach your children about God. Just three places thinking, formally we want to teach them from the, wor- the word, scripture. We want to ourselves open up the Bible. We want to open up the Bible with our children. If you have young people, youth, we want to open up the Bible together and keep pointing them to the Lord. Keep learning and growing together. You know, if you do family devotions or family worship, as we call it, sitting at a table in one of your meals, for us it seems like it's always hit or miss. Like breakfast doesn't really work, sometimes lunch, sometimes supper. But when we all sit down, usually I actually wait till after the kids are kind of done eating, just read a little scripture. We pray before the meal, and we want to, I just want to share God's word with them, right? If, if you learn to fear God by hearing his word, then I want to read God's word with my children and, and find other times to do it as well. So formally, I want to be in the word with my kids, with my wife. And it's just a really simple way for like, well, how do you go about doing that? You could just like pick a gospel and just read a few verses each time and just slowly work your way through a gospel, obviously age-appropriate language. you just helping them understand some of these truths. If, as they're older, they can maybe read the scripture and you can all learn together or go through the book of Proverbs uh, together. There's lots of ways to do it. So formally in the Bible, second place formally, prayer. You want to teach uh, teach our children how to pray, what to pray about. You know, so there's many different places that can take place, maybe just before bedtime, at mealtime. When, when uh, trials come up, hey, kids, this is what we do. We, we stop and we pray and we seek God. And so we're, we want to teach our children how to pray. And then also we want to teach them at church, the gathering together of the saints is a very important thing. I know for some people at home, it's a different season and you can't be with us. And I know normally everyone would be. But we want to teach our, our children. Just one second. Just by coming together and worshiping, making that a priority in our lives, we're teaching them it's important to gather together. Right? And so just, especially as the, as September rolls around, and it's time to maybe make new routines. And summer is, is just a different season in itself, especially this season. But we're like, okay, we're going to make it a priority to come together to church and worship and come with me. And as they come, they, they see you worship. They see your love for the Lord. So you're teaching them as they get older. This is something important to do because they see the priority in your life. A few more things just to say formally. We, with our children... I think you can do it, and you can do it at any age. We do a catechism. Simple question and answer. Uh, simple for a young age. It's like, uh, who made you? God. What else did God make? Everything. <laughs> Why did God make you and everything? For his own glory. And so what we're doing, we're just teaching our kids truth. We're just building this structure that ultimately the Holy Spirit needs to come in and give them light that they would trust and believe so I would just encourage you, if you've done that, whatever the age of your children, like to memorize those questions, and you as parents are actually getting catechized as well. Uh, we do a book called, it's called Truth and Grace Memory Book. There's, a, I know the New City Catechism out there and others. I would just recommend that. So there's formally, like you're making a plan of how you're going to do it and you're doing it. We're discipling our kids. We're training them. And then, but informally, like life, Every other area is teaching them. Commentator Charles Bridges says this, a child learns more by the eye than by the ear. Imitation is a far more powerful principle than memory. A well-trained child gladly looks to his parents' godliness as his model picture to copy after. About seven years ago, there was um, uh, a study done called Hemorrhaging the Faith. And, and it was a Canadian study done in churches. They're like, why is it that like about 80% of young people are leaving the church about after high school? And I think while the majority actually are not Christian, and they kind of just grew up in the faith, and they never trusted in Jesus Christ, and from that 80% who left, they found that like 
I forget what the percentage was, about 30 would return back in later years. But the 20% that stayed, this, I just want to tell you, there's like kind of four common factors that they found of the 20% that like grew up in the church and stayed. And there's four things that kind of stuck out. The, the one, and I'm going from like kind of lowest, or not lowest, but the, the, first, the last one I'm going to say is, is the biggest influence. Uh, and the church would have like a, a strong uh, teaching ministry that was applicational to life, right? Like the word wasn't left up there, but it's like, how do you live this out? So it had to be applicational for them. They had a strong community within the church body, people that they knew, friends. They had a, an experience of God. And it, like not like, you know, some esoteric type thing, but as in they knew that God was real and they trusted in him. Like that was important, not just like, you know, I have faith, he's out there somewhere, but like I know, I trust in the living God. But actually the most important thing was the faith of their parents, of the 20%, that they'd, they'd see their mom or their dad reading the Bible. They'd see their mom or their dad praying. They'd see their mom or their dad like, hey, come on, everyone, let's, let's get to church. Let's go worship the Lord. It was the greatest influence in their lives was their parents. And so training up our children informally the way we, we uh, live is incredibly important. That's why we need to keep getting into the word of God, keep growing in our fear of the Lord, and by God's grace, walking it out because we are teaching our children every day. And just looking at a few places uh, informally in which we can do that. First is forgiveness, Proverbs 17, 9. It says this, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. So we can model forgiveness to our children. I think that's huge. That we can, when we have done wrong to our spouse or someone else, they can see like, okay, they can watch you ask someone for forgiveness. Watch you seek God for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. I didn't say what was right. Ask for forgiveness from them. When, when we mess up. And then not only can we model forgiveness, teach forgiveness, we can teach them how to forgive each other, right? And I, and I know it's, it, it'll take time, it takes repetition, right? My, my one son hits my other son, we're like, hey, you need to, you can't do that, you need to ask for forgiveness, like forgive me as he hits him again. <laughs> it, it takes time, we have to keep, but keep pointing them to Jesus, right? Like that we mess up, we don't live perfectly. Our kids don't live perfectly. We're like, hey, that's why we need Jesus. We need to ask for forgiveness from God. Jesus has forgiven us. We need to forgive others. So we need, that's a huge one we can model. The second place I just want to talk about modeling, Pastor Trevor already talked about this earlier on in the summer, but sexuality. Look at Proverbs 23, 20, uh, verse 26 to 28. It says this, Proverbs 23, 26, 28. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Like, watch me. For a prostitute is a deep pit and adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. So what the, it's saying, like, watch me, watch my life, my sexual life, so you wouldn't go down this other path. We need to teach our kids about sexuality. Just, just think about this. When you teach your kids about marriage, your marriage is the closest example of marriage your children see. Right? When, when, as they grow up and someone's like, well, what is marriage? Your marriage is what they think of, what they point to. And so because of that, we're teaching our children about marriage. Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, keep nurturing your marriage. That's a, a great way to train your children is to date your spouse and continue to invest in that relationship. Continue to, to, to put that, make that a priority on the calendar. That's a great way to train your children, to show them that mommy and daddy love each other. Mommy and daddy are doing all they can to invest in that relationship. And then even, you know, as we, as we argue, like, I don't know, some, do some married couples argue and we don't see eye to eye and we, we work it out in front of them. And, and there's a lot more I can say about that, but just we're teaching our children the importance of marriage every day. 
And, and in, in teaching about marriage, we need to teach about sexuality, right? That, that God has made the covenant of marriage that a man would leave his parents and come together with his wife and they become one flesh. And that's the union that God has blessed for sexual intimacy, right? And so in time, age appropriate, we need to keep teaching our children that it is actually good. It's a good gift from the Lord in marriage, a man and woman to come together and have sexual intimacy. But there's no other union, there's no other place that he's blessed and he said it's good. And, and, and you know, just think like water in its place is wonderful. Like you get like drinking water or you have a, a shower. It's wonderful. But anytime, after, if anyone has ever experienced pipes bursting, water where it's not supposed to go is incredibly damaging. That's sex in the, in the confines different than what God has said is good. It actually brings a lot of damage. And we need to keep teaching our children ever more in our society, right? Because that birds and the bees sex talk that used to happen like once for like five minutes years ago, is happening 24-7 to your children now. In all types of media, they're constantly getting taught where sex is good. And really, it's everywhere. And so we need to continually at home and in the church keep saying, no, actually God has said in the, in the confines of marriage it's good, right? Like in Proverbs, like there's whole chapters devoted to it. Proverbs chapter 5 and chapter 7, these strong warnings against sexual immorality. And we need to give our kids that warning. We need to point them towards what's good. And then also just lastly on this point, we need to teach them what it is to be a man and to be a woman. Like big time. Like we can't just assume, like our, again, our culture, the pressures that are putting it upon us, like it's a spectrum. You can choose. We're like, no, we need to, right from the, from the get-go, we need to keep teaching what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. What it is to be a godly man, what it is to be a godly woman. Parents, we need to just keep teaching them formally and informally. And just say this before I move on and you know, you think, you look at Proverbs 31, especially teach our daughters what beauty is, right? Because our, our culture keeps telling us this false, these pictures of like Photoshop people, like nothing's real, and we hold that up as beauty, and like, that's not beauty. Beauty is a woman who fears the Lord. So there's a lot more I could say about that. We need to train up the child in the way we should go, formally and informally. Then we also need to help our children when they don't walk right. Right? It's all about this, this walk when they're like totally veering over there. We need to bring them back because that's what God does for us, right? Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. It says this, My son, do not... Despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he delights or whom he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. Like us as children of God, we have a good father. And when we, we're walking the narrow path and we start going where we shouldn't be, he disciplines us, so we'll go back. And in the same way we have that loving God, the father over us, we need to be loving to our parents and, or sorry, to our children and discipline them. Discipline your child. Proverbs 13, 24. It says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Right? We don't just leave them to themselves. We don't just like, hey, just go out and do whatever you want to do. We want to keep kind of bringing them back. No, that, that's not the way you should go. That's, that's not the way you should act. And we need to discipline them. And especially when they are very young, I mean, not like babies, but as they get, you know, a little bit, they're on the move, a, a spanking can be the best way to discipline them, right? Uh, Jonathan Aiken, commentator, gives us this, an ancient Egyptian proverb said of young boys that they have ears on their backsides. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so true. You know, our culture says, hey, you should just, like, let them choose and get down and, like, hey, you make the decision. No, we're rebellious at heart. So we need to discipline them. But as we discipline them, whether it's spanking or, or other methods, like, point them back like Christ is our hope. Yes, 
We don't, we're not doing it perfect. We're not living perfectly. You, you, hit, you hit your brother. You're stealing something from your sister. No, you need to share. Let's ask God for forgiveness. Let's ask him to help us there. So as we discipline, we're going to keep pointing them back to Christ. But so know your child. Know what, what works and what doesn't. You know, some, some kids, you just, like, you just look at hard, and they're just, like, broken. <laughs> other, you know, kids, too, as, as spanking maybe doesn't work. Maybe there's other things. But discipline them so you can point them back to the way they should be living. Not just to change their behavior, but continue to point them towards Christ. Be consistent. Not out of anger or once you get annoyed. And I'm like, Lord, help me on this. Because I know myself as a parent, you know, like, okay, like, okay, okay. Finally, like, ah, stop. Like, that, that doesn't help. Lord, help us. So we're to discipline our child, Proverbs 15, verse 1, and we're to do it with gentleness. And God help us. 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A soft answer turns away wrath. Right? We're not to be like the Hulk and just smash <laughs> as we come in to discipline our kids. Like Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A few things to, to note there. When it says fathers, like fathers, we are to take the lead in, in disciplining our children and we're to take the lead in, in bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord. But also it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And why does it say that? Because we easily can. I know that about myself. Like, God help me. I can so easily just run in there and raise my voice and just like almost, you know, you can crush your children, crush your kids. Lord, help us to do it, but help us to do it with gentleness. Just a few more Proverbs. Like there's so many. You think uh, the Proverbs are trying to tell us something about discipline. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And 23, 13 to 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Like pretty, pretty important. Jonathan Aiken is helpful here as well. He says the main point is clear. Proverbs says that left to themselves, children will choose the wrong and destructive path. Human beings are not innocent, basically good or wise. The parental task is to intervene before Folly is set and our kids walk off toward hell. Leaving your young child to make his or her own decisions without corrections from you is foolish. Don't leave your kids to yourself. Guide them on the right path. Discipline them. If you think, I don't know, anyone has animals and you have those like invisible fences, like a line in the ground and like a collar and as they go, they're kind of like get shocked so they come back in. Not saying do that to your children, but saying, that's what like discipline is, is like because we want them to walk a certain path. And as they stray from it, we, keep, we discipline them and keep pointing them back because one day and one day soon, life goes so quick, they're going to be out of our homes and we won't be there to discipline them. And if they keep going far from the path, it says it's to their own destruction. So we want to discipline them while they're with us and keep pointing them to the Lord while we can. Lord, help us. And lastly, specifically to parents, learn how other parents walk. Just a well-known proverb, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And I know it, it doesn't say one parent sharpens another parent, but taking that idea of like, as you gather together with someone else and they encourage you and challenge you, we want to do that with other parents, Right? We want to learn from other parents. How, how are they disciplining their kids? How are they teaching their kids? How are they dealing with this situation? How are they dealing with going back to school 
and sharing with one another and encouraging one another. That's why we want to be part of small groups where we can share in each other's lives. Get in the Word together. But like parents, find other parents and just connect with them. Invest in those relationships and lean on each other. Right? We're, we're not to do it alone. We need help. And I just encourage you, as you get to know, you have those relationships, like be real. Not just like, hey, how's everything going? Good, good. You're like, no, it's like actually really tough right now. I'm having a real challenge in this situation. Can you pray with me about it? Do you have any advice? So let's, let's use other parents, learn from other parents' walk. And just in saying all this, just remember that there's grace. As, as parents, grandparents, we want to do the best job that we possibly can. But we, we came to Jesus Christ bringing nothing, simply because of his grace, simply what he did on the cross. And as we're parenting, like we're not going to do it perfectly. We are going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. Lord, forgive us. We, we go to the cross. We go to Jesus Christ. And we not only find mercy there and forgiveness, but then we find strength to carry on and hope as we want to point our kids there. So just everything that we're talking about, remember it's in the context of the, the narrow walk that we enter in because of what Jesus has done and we stay on because of what Jesus has done. So now just kind of switching gears, just want to think a kind of wisdom to children. And when I say children, I mean like youth, young adults, adults. Really, a lot of it's for all of us, but especially if you think that like, Proverbs is saying, hey, my son, enjoy the wife of your youth. Like, that's the type of son he's speaking to, like a, an adult. And even like Solomon's son, Rehoboam, when he took the throne, he was 41. Just so we, we think when a wisdom to children, though some of it's specific to a younger age, it's really, it's for all of us. So young people, just, or people, <laughs> listen wisely while you walk. Still thinking in the context of the walking the narrow road. Listen wisely while you walk. Proverbs 15.5. It says this. A fool despises his father's instruction. Whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Like, listen to your parents. It's the nature of Proverbs. Your parents are teaching you something and you need to, it's wisdom, it's wise to listen to them. And to obey, right? Like a, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, just grabbing from the Apostle Paul a little bit. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Obey your parents. Listen to them. It's a commandment. Interesting that as we go into Romans chapter 1, there's this whole list of sins, like a murderer and, and all types of things, but linked in with that list is disobeying their parents. It's interesting, in, in total rebellion. There's also Proverbs 30, verse 7, 17. I just have to read this. Listen to your parents. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ra the ravens of the valley and e eaten by the vultures. Like, whoa. Did you, did you know that was in the Bible? You could just like, you know, have it put up on the mantle and just like point there sometimes, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> Listen to your parents. Next, we want to just think though, Proverbs 15, 31, 32, like listen to the gospel. This is for our, our young people. This is for all of us, 15, 31 to 32. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Think about life-giving reproof. Doesn't get bigger than that than, than saying like our, our only hope in life to please a holy God is through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not that, that your parents go to church. It's not that your parents have read you scripture. It's that you need to trust in Jesus. You need to say, yes, I want to give you my whole life. I want to follow you all of my days. So all of us, we all need to listen to that life-giving 
reproof when someone's like, hey, you're going on the wrong path. It's leading to destruction. You need to trust in Jesus Christ in order to find life, find eternal life. So listen to the gospel. And in doing so, just, just as we're listening, and we're going to talk about more who we listen to in a second, but your, your listening to wisdom should drive you closer to God. As you think about it, if who you are listening to is not drawing you closer to God, it's not wise to keep listening. Say that again one more time. If, if who you are listening to is not drawing you closer to God, it's not wise to keep listening. We have a lot of competing voices in today's age. We have information overload, just a quick filter, if you will. Like, should I keep listening to this source? Is it true? Does it line up with the Bible? Does it bring me closer to God? If not, you should, you should maybe quit listening. So listen wisely while you walk. Next point is like very closely aligned. Seek wise counsel while you walk. Seek counselors. Proverbs 13, 20, it says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Right? I don't know if any of you have ever had bad influences in your life or have you ever been a bad influence, but the people that you're with, if they're walking in the wrong direction, you will just go so fast with them. I don't know why I always go to this side. This, that side's <laughs> dangerous over there. But... um. But if you have wise people in your life, man, they can encourage you, they can bless you, they can challenge you, right? So just a question, like, who are you walking with? And I know as our kids are younger, we're maybe like, we're deciding who they're hanging out with, they have less freedom in that, but still maybe get to, like, who are their parents? Who are these, these kids? Should your kids be spending lots of time with them? I'm amazed just like watching my, especially when my young boys play all together, and you're like, they're all fools. <laughs> There's not a wise one among them. That's <laughs> why so we have to keep pointing them in the right direction. You know, like left to themselves. Oh, they would be no more. So who are you walking with? Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Like, Many wise people speaking into your life. Again, this goes against the wisdom of our age, right? We're told, like, you just be you. Figure it out on your own. Be a self-made man or woman. Just go out and do it on your own. But then Proverbs says, actually, you should have a lot of people around you speaking into your life, speaking wise counsel. Let's, let's hear that wisdom. And then lastly, we keep needing instruction. We keep needing wise counselors. Uh, Proverbs 19.20, it says this. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Listen to advice and accept instruction. And like, do you ever get past that? This is for all of us. Do you ever get to a point where someone like will give you instruction? You're like, no, my wisdom tank's completely full. No, we, we keep need, needing people to speak into our lives, giving us instruction that we can have wisdom in the future. I don't know about you, you guys. I remember when I was 16, I had everything figured out. You couldn't tell me anything. When I was 22, I was like, okay, I, have, I still have a lot to learn. I was 25, almost finishing Bible college. I was like, I think I know everything again. I got married. <laughs> I found out I have a lot to learn. And then now... Being 37, I finished my, my seminary program, and all I know is I know very little. That's, that's what I got from the, my time spent there, and God is amazing. He's very big. He can do all types of amazing things. We can trust him, but we keep needing people to speak into our lives as we walk. Next, I just want to talk about planning your walk. I'm just going to go through quickly as the time is, is passing by. Like, make plans. In, in Proverbs, it's clear that it is wise to make plans. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Right? There's, there's wisdom in that. It's clear we're supposed to plan for the future. Like, we all, if you put on snow tires or you save for a rainy day, we are to make plans because our time is limited. Planning is wise. 
but then we're to hold our plans with open hands. I think we've, we got that lesson this year like never before. Like Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And maybe a lot of us are gun-shy about planning for the future because of what just happened, right? We could all write books about the plans that we had that were just like, scrap that calendar, scrap that trip. Yes, it's true. We don't know what will happen in the future. So there's this tension between planning and God's sovereignty. Proverbs 16:1: the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Or 16:33: the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So there's constantly that tension, like we're to plan for our future, but we're to trust God. Like God will decide ultimately how it's going to turn out. And so we don't make our plans like this has to happen. We make our plans like this. You know, like God willing, we, we hope to see a church planted, planted in Red Deer. We, we want to move there shortly. We're trusting the Lord to do that. We don't know how it's all going to turn out. So we're making plans, but we're trusting God is sovereign over the process. I would just encourage you, keep planning. You know, even with, with what we just experienced, maybe like small-term plans even. Like plan to get together with friends. We need to keep developing, working on friendships. It doesn't happen accidentally. Plan to make uh, church a priority. Or small groups. Like find out which small group you want to join if you're not a part of one. Like schedule it in. And, and make it happen because we have this limited time here and Proverbs says it's wise to plan. So let's keep planning. Lastly, since last one of, one of the main points, don't trip yourself while you walk, right? Like you would never like go outside and like tie your shoelaces together and, and try to go. But if you don't heed the warnings from some of these, it's kind of like doing that. Proverbs 20 verse 1, it says this, Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a, a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Like, just hear the warnings against alcohol. And, and I'm just reading one verse. There's many. There's many in Scripture. All these warnings against drunkenness. And my, my own testimony, I was, I was an alcoholic before I was a Christian. And as the Lord saved me, I won't touch a bottle again. But I'm not saying it's not wrong. It's not sinful. It, scripture actually shows you can be enjoyed responsibly and celebrate. There's a, there's a right way to do it, but just hear the warnings in Scripture. So especially young people, like know yourself, know your personality, know the people around you, but listen to the strong warnings against drunkenness. Because if you don't hear them, it's like tying your shoelace together and trying to walk. 23, 19 to 21 says this, hear the warning against gluttony. Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. This is a warning against overindulging, right? And I think in our, in our culture, we, we have so much good food in front of us, so many tasty things, like, it's nice to enjoy a feast sometimes, but if every day is a feast, it's gluttony. So we just, Lord, just help us to know when enough is enough when we eat. And lastly, hear the warning against pleasure. Just look at Proverbs 27:20 20 for this warning. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. As in like the place of the dead and the farthest, farthest reaches there, Shul and Abaddon, are never satisfied. There's never a time where they're like, okay, no more dead are allowed here. But in the same way, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Like we have to always be in our guard against comfort and entertainment, especially where we live. But I especially just want to hammer down that the eyes of man are never satisfied when we think about screens. We think about the screens that we have, Netflix or YouTube or social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, whatever the next thing is that's coming up, we will never have enough. Our eyes will never see enough to be satisfied. There will always be the next video and it will not satisfy. 
right? Our, our phones have apps on them, and they've done research on gambling and addictions and, and put it all together and made your apps as addictive as possible. Even as I was writing this sermon, I was like, oh, what's, I got to check my Facebook. I'm like, whoa, like at that exact point. I just encourage you, set limits on what you take in and how much. Maybe in a week, take time off, take a day off. But just for all of us who have these screens, let's quit fixing our eyes on them. And so where I want to land, of course, is we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. Right? You know that, that refrain, fix your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will draw strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So we're, we're talking about the Christian walk, parents, grandparents, children, young adults, adults, everyone. By faith, we get to walk on the narrow road, and there's so many different things distracting us, pulling us off, want to trip up our walk. And we've learned so much in the summer as we went through the book of Proverbs, right? But ultimately, we, can, we need Christ to walk out this wisdom, right? 1 Corinthians 1 30, Christ is our wisdom from God. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our everything. As our intimacy with Christ increases, our ability to walk the narrow road does as well. In life, there are two paths to walk on. There's the narrow road and there's the wide road. Proverbs 9 said, wisdom is calling out and folly is calling out. And I pray May God give us ears to hear wisdom in his word and by his spirit, the ability to follow in the way that is pleasing to him. May God help us to walk the narrow road. Just bow with me. I'm just going to close our time in prayer. Oh God, I thank you for your word. We went to so many different places. I pray the important truths that we all need to hear in our context, Lord, Holy Spirit, you would seal them in our hearts. Help us as parents to live for you. Give us wisdom from on high. Continue to transform our lives that we would be an example to our kids, our young people. Help us, Lord, as we raise the next generation to love you and worship you. Help us all, Lord, as we seek to walk the narrow road in September 2020. Oh God, we need wisdom, we need help. We need you to continue to lead and guide us. So help us fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to grow us in our faith and our trust in you and transform us that you would receive more glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.